Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, this is Old School. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves them, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task, that's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass, it was tipped, it's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5, he'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. He did let you know he was mesmerized. He got memories. <laughs> Flashback. Flashback. So, so true story. We can tell the story. Rico would deny it in full denial. But he, so because I was doing book a book promo, Rico was hosting uh, the Soul Joseph show. Right. And I'm, you know, I've got it on the screen so I can see what's happening. Right? Just make sure everything all right. And Jay, I look up and Rico is in full hands to the face, dreamy eyed. He was lost. Mm. He was lost. And then he was he 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 was so deep. He was they were talking like, let's have like a uh, kid play date. <laughs> like he's <laughs> he getting a babysitter out of it. Right, like, like, yeah. a <laughs> like <laughs> Y'all wild. <laughs> I'm just trying to make friends. Uh, th- that's the point. And I'm trying to send my kids over to Mickey's house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mickey, like, what the heck are all these kids doing here, man? We done. Yeah, we, two we, extra we kids. Like, hey, Priscilla, how you doing? Hey, right. uh, me and Rachel got to go real quick. But, you know, our kids love your kids. You love our kids. Yeah. I'm just going to drop them off real quick. I, I got yeah, We got yeah. bounce. You got, a, you got a much nicer house than us. So he's just going <laughs> to. Uh, you see him? You see him? All right, Jay. Let's bring in our guest, man. Bring in my man, Scott, Scott Shanley. Is he, is he on? Scott, what up, dude? Yeah. Hey, what's up? Not much, man. We uh, it's Super Bowl week, so I thought you know we had uh, Troy Evans on a couple of days before. So I would say Troy, you you and Troy are Super Bowl champs, but Troy is obviously the Super Bowl chump. But uh, <laughs> everybody knows that you. I'm sure you know you know Troy and how funny he is. He's a good dude. But I thought to have uh, you know since Super Bowl week to have guys that obviously experienced Super Bowl week. Um, experience obviously winning uh, and what it's like and then obviously uh, you know we'll, we'll double back into your you know your career at Nebraska but and then what it takes to be a successful NFL player because uh, people don't know Scott you know helps out and trains some guys getting ready for the draft and stuff like that so he can talk about that process but Scott since it's uh, Super Bowl week um, I'm sure you know it brings back fond memories and, and you, you see the guys going through it uh, just Tell a little bit about your experience or a lot and go into it, what it's like, and then obviously what the game's like, and then what it's like to obviously be a Super Bowl champ. Yeah, I mean, it it was really a whirlwind. It started with going to overtime, beating beating the Minnesota Vikings, and that was probably one of the most talented teams I can remember playing in, in my career. Brett Favre and, and Adrian Peterson. I mean, that team was loaded. We created six turnovers that game, and and found a way to win that game. Then we go on to Miami and play the Indianapolis Colts. And I just remember, you know, you get to that point in the season, everything hurts. The body's hurting. Mentally, you're fatigued. And just remember that week in practice, we practiced at the Miami Hurricanes practice facility. And and uh, we dealt with some weather while we were down there. And then you get to the game, and all of a sudden, you run out of the tunnel. And you see the cameras. You see the lights. You see Spike Lee standing on the sideline. You see all the stars standing there, and all of a sudden your body doesn't hurt anymore. Right. I mean, it feels like you're you're running, you're running 
uh, out, out the tunnel for the first week of the season. I mean, everything felt good, and you get out there, and once that ball's kicked off, you honestly you don't notice that stuff anymore. And you get you playing football just like you have all year, and then uh, you know we got down right away to, to Peyton Manning ten nothing, and we fired our way back. Coach Peyton obviously called that onside kick right after halftime, big momentum swing in the game. And then at the end of the game, they're going down the field to tie the game. A lot of teams, your odds aren't good when Peyton Manning has the ball. And Tracy Porter, young kid, cornerback, great player, stepped up, pick six, and sealed that game. And I just remember thinking at the end of that game, just just how fortunate we were to be to that point, how nobody expected us to be at that point. I mean, nobody ever thought. You could ask any New Orleans Saints fan if they ever thought they would see that moment. And, you know, I still have people tell me to this day that, they, they have a loved one's grandparent who has since passed away, but they're so grateful that they were able to see their Saints win a Super Bowl. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people went through a lot of stuff, Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans. And right. to, win a, to win a football game, it was more than a football game. And I think you realize that as the years go by that, that it became more than, than just winning a football game. You did a lot for a city who had been through so much. So that's a, that's a really rewarding part of it. Yeah, Scott, I always tell people that people don't realize how hard it is in the NFL to win a game, just one. Right and and what it, what it goes into just winning that game because you you got to beat superior you know talented athletes and coaching staffs. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is you know being a Super Bowl champ, um, how hard is it to come back that next year because you go from say the hunted to the hunty, and what it's like to to have that Super Bowl championship you know on your back, but then try to defend it and then did you see a difference in the team? Um, as far as coming back and not being able to obviously go back-to-back, which is probably the hardest thing to do in, in sports is going back-to-back in NFL championships. Uh, but just go into a little bit of the difference of, you know, seasons after that being a Super Bowl champ. Man, it, it's so hard. It, it really feels like you play two, two seasons connected to each other because when you play the Super Bowl, you're playing in February, then you're doing a parade, then you're doing appearances and, and all sorts of things like that, and Guys have a, a lot of people pulling on different directions. You roll right into the off season, so it doesn't even feel like you have an off season when you play in the Super Bowl. And then you get into the next season. And, and I remember, you know, we had talked. We had a, mostly everybody coming back. We were a young, very talented team. Obviously, Drew Brees was in his prime, and we we obviously we felt like we were going to win more than one. And we came back that year, and we uh, we had a really good team. It's just we. We had injuries going into the playoffs. We went up to Seattle. They were a seven and nine team. I think we were eleven and five. That was the Beastquake game where they beat right. us. And uh, you know, we had Reggie Bush didn't play in the game. We were down to our third running back. I think Jimmy Graham was out of the game. We were down to our third tight end. So you get into those things where you can never replicate a season. And I think Tampa Bay went through that this year. They brought everybody back, and then injuries strike. So it, right. it's hard to replicate. To your point, it's hard to. to go back-to-back in the NFL just because of injuries, I think, more so than anything. No matter who you bring back or who you sign back, the injury bug is going to get you at some point. And I think that's where a lot of teams stumble. Uh, Scott, I always uh, say that one of the best things that happened to me in the, in the league was to play for different coaches, different you know leadership styles. And I think you know you probably maybe say the same, and obviously ending with, with Sean Payton. But I know you had time in Dallas and time in St. Louis before that. Uh, just talk about the different stops that you've had and what you learn from each coach and each organization. Because, you know, the second part of the question is, and we always talk about this, and you know this as a player, um, is that there's only about six to eight, maybe ten at the most teams that are trying to win year to year. And uh, talk about that. And then also how it can affect, you know, guys' longevity in the, in the league based on where they start or end up. 
uh, in, yeah. in their NFL career? There's no question. Being a part of a functional organization, being part of an organization where your talents fit the scheme they're running are all huge factors in where guys' professional careers go. And I was fortunate because I got drafted to the St. Louis Rams. I, I was so fortunate throughout my career. I, I had great coaches every single place I went. There was never a, a time where I thought, I'm not getting coached. I went to the Rams. Lovey Smith was my defense coordinator. Lovey taught me more football in an off season than I had learned in my whole life. And that's not a knock on any coaches I had. It's just that he was that good of a coach. Taught me how to play linebacker, play zone defense. I'll never forget my first year OTA. He's like, did you ever play any zone at Nebraska? I'm like, man, coach, all I ever played was 11 robber. I covered the tight end every play. And he's like, well, it's going to help you play nickel back, but you need to learn how to play zone. I had no idea how to play zone defense so he taught me a ton and then I, I dealt with injuries my rookie year they released me I tried to put me on practice squad late in the year the, the Cowboys claimed me and the, the next year I ended up being the nickel linebacker for the Cowboys played a bunch then the next year after that that win got hurt started half the year and I really thought I was going to resign in Dallas and then uh the ankle injury got me they drafted DeMarcus Ware drafted another linebacker and that's when Sean Payton traded for me in New Orleans and ended up starting seven years at weak side linebacker in New Orleans and you know, playing for Parcells in Dallas, I learned a lot from him. He was a no-nonsense guy. He was a do-your-job, and you'll be my type of guy, and, and that fit my role perfect. And uh, when I got to New Orleans having Coach Payton, he was just he's, – he's the greatest motivating coach I've ever been around. He just knew what to say, when to say, how to say. He always had something. He always had a great pulse of the team. And during my time there, um, you know, I learned more about defensive football from Greg Williams than, than I'd ever learned in my career, what it took to play defense. Not from an X's and O's. Greg always said defensive football is not about X's and O's. It's about the mentality you play with, the the, the selflessness you play it with. And we just had a mindset that was different from, from any other defensive coach I played for in those three years with Greg. So, you know, very fortunate. And then, you know, I skipped over Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer was my defense coordinator in Dallas. So very fortunate to have excellent coaches along my stop in those 10 years. Yeah, you, you mentioned Lovey Smith, obviously, with him getting a, a head coaching job. Um, just talk about what Houston is getting from Lovey Smith. Obviously, you know, he was head coach at Illinois for a little while, and then obviously he was a great coach with Tampa and Chicago. Uh, but for the few Houston Texans fans, what, what are they going to get in, in Lovey Smith? His teams are going to play hard. His teams are going to be smart. His teams are going to play fast. And that's the one thing about Lovey is if you can't run, if you can't cover, if you can't play in space, you're probably not going to play for him. He was huge on that. You had to be athletic. You had to play fast. Loafs were never tolerated with Lovey Smith. And when I was in St. Louis, you know, they, they had just won a championship a couple of years before that. Still had a really good team, but their defense wasn't loaded with a bunch of first-rounders. Obviously, Grant Wistrom was still there, great player, but um, they didn't have a whole lot of first-round picks on their defense. But he knew how to coach them up. He knew how to get them to play fast, take proper angles, and taking the ball away. You will see turnovers. You'll see takeaways produced by a, a Lovey Smith defense. And special teams will play hard. I think Lovey, he's one of the best coaches I've been around. This guy, he motivates you, and I've never heard him say a curse word. He he doesn't cuss. He gets hot at you. He yells, but he finds different ways to motivate you. Every coach has different styles. Him and Tony Dungy are kind of the, the same type of style in terms of they're, they're godly men. He doesn't cuss. He doesn't get after you in that, in that aspect, but he knows how to motivate you and get the best out of you. And I think those guys are going to love playing for Lovey Smith. I was happy to see him get, his, get another opportunity. 
Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave single with a ten piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only, single item at regular price. Uh, Scott, we're bouncing back to, to Husker football. Obviously, you watch, I'm sure, like me, you watch defense with a different type of view, right? Obviously, because we, we did it for a little while, and, and we have higher expectations for, for defense. And you, you just mentioned Lovey Smith. You don't have to be as talented, but it's a mindset. Uh, what is one or two things on each side of the ball, offensively and defensively, uh, you'd like to see Nebraska be a little bit better at next year, obviously, to turn that record around? Well, I think everything starts at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, uh, talking about the NFL, I always tell people the biggest difference from college to the NFL playing linebacker was the skill position guys were great. Obviously, the quarterbacks were good, but it's the big guys. You, when you play behind those defensive linemen in the NFL, uh, it changes everything. Just like when you go against those offensive linemen who are, who are 320 and can move and take angles and cut you off and get you out of your gap, it all starts with the line of scrimmage. So I think for Nebraska to turn everything around as a program, it starts in the trench. It starts with those five guys on the offensive line. It starts with the defensive linemen winning one-on-one battles, getting pressure on the quarterback, um, not getting stuck at the line of scrimmage when you're rushing the passer. So for, for Nebraska to, to change the program, I think that's where it starts. But um, from a scheme standpoint, I just want to see an identity, I think, offensively. I'm to the point where I don't really care. I don't care if it's, Triple option, I don't care if it's spread, whatever you do, but find an identity, do it well. Um, I, I lean more towards doing some of the, the, the things that Nebraska did in the past with some more option game. I just think it fits the program well. I think you can recruit those type of players to Nebraska. And defensively, I love what they're doing. I think Chenander, I t- told Barrett Rude this after the, after the year, I know the season didn't go the way they wanted it to, but, man, watching the defense play, watching them fly around, watching them play hard, you don't see guys finger pointing. You don't see guys with their palms up looking at each other like that was you. What are you doing? Um, I think the culture on the defense is probably ahead of the offense, but uh, I think I think this team's going to have a good season this fall. It, it, but it all starts in the trenches. You have to control the line of scrimmage to win games. So I wanted to ask you: you took the the, the journey of walking on, earning a scholarship, uh, being drafted, and then finding your way into the starting lineup. What was harder, going from walk on to scholarship? To starter, which one was harder? And, and, and there's a bridge between all of them. Which one was the longest bridge for you? The longest bridge, no, there's no question about it. It was being a red shirt walk on. I mean, that was the longest year of football. It seemed like felt like it took ten years because you get there. Um, it was obviously my dream to play in Nebraska. Growing up in Nebraska, watching games, seeing those battles against Oklahoma and Colorado. I mean, it was my dream to run out of the tunnel. The problem is when you grow up as a kid, nobody tells you that that there's a thing called the redshirt year where you're going to go and get the crap beat out of you every day in practice <laughs> until you get to an opportunity to show prove yourself. But I learned I learned how to compete. That year as a redshirt, going to practice, nobody knew you were out on the field, but I learned how to compete, cover Sheldon Jackson, guys like that, go against Makovica, take on, take on great blockers. I learned how to compete against championship-level athletes. And so that year did more for me than anything. And then when I went in my first spring ball, I was prepared and. I moved up the depth chart. Uh, I was behind Ortiz and Shaw, who were who were co-starters as seniors. So my time was coming to, to get some playing time after after my redshirt freshman year. 
but uh, that redshirt year was, was long. I got a scholarship. I I think they put me on full scholarship after that first spring when I vaulted up the the, the depth chart behind Sean Ortiz. But uh, it was it was all good after that. I started as a sophomore, and then you know as a seventh round draft pick in the NFL, you're just kind of playing with house money. You probably shouldn't even be there. And I was just I remember going out to practice thinking, man, you know, there, there's not many spots. There's nine, ten linebackers sitting in this room. They're only going to keep five or six. So you got to separate yourself from somebody, and you can do that through effort, knowing the playbook, being in the right spot. And I think I did that better than the guys I was competing with. Hey, Scott, one more. Um, you know, I know you work with guys in pre-draft, right? And and I always talk about, you know, as football players, you have the sense of who who's really in it, who's going to make it, you know, who's going to, you know, obviously be a good player. What are the like maybe two or three things you see from some of the guys that you seen you work with that either make it or don't make it or reach their potential or don't? Um, you know, some either character traits or just uh, personality traits. Uh, what separates you know guys that make it and who don't? Yeah, I would. I was talking about this the other day with somebody, and I feel like after doing this at Michael John's performance in Dallas for about six years, I've had a pretty good record of of kind of jotting down guys when I first meet them in the first couple weeks, whether or not they're going to have a career or not. And and to answer your question, I think it comes down to coachability. I think it comes down to how willing are you, how receptive are you, and how willing are you to admit that that you, there's a lot to the game that you need to know. And I was so naive when I went to the NFL. I had no idea what a daily schedule was. I had no idea what a weekly schedule was. I had no idea that it truly is a job. You're going to get at the building at 7 in the morning. You're going to leave at 5, 5.30 at night. And just giving them the idea of what your daily schedule is, what the daily grind is, what the expectation is of you every week. You know, on Tuesdays, on off days, they're going to be bringing in guys at your position and working them out and signing guys. So you are every day is an interview. And some guys buckle under that pressure. So just getting guys ready for what they're getting into. But – I think that the best trait that guys who have made it have is just always eager to learn, always just, just a thirst for knowledge. Hey, can we go over the board again? Let's talk about the fire zones. Let's talk about the, the coverages. Let's talk about the seven-man box, seven box versus the eight-man box coverages. And those guys who just have that thirst for knowledge, who love the game, will find a way to make it. And that's really what it comes down to. Scott, but they, and there's that other side. So as you're training these guys, you see what will work. You also have an eye for what won't work. What's the thing that trips up most prospects more than anything else? Just not knowing what what they're getting into. I, I'm telling you, I can stand in front of a room, and when I tell them what, what the NFL is like, some guys will sit there with, with eyes on you, nodding, like taking it all in, taking notes. Some guys will sit back, kind of rolling their eyes, like, man, that, that's, that's going to be what it's like for me. You know, that's not what it's like. That's not what it's going to be like for me because I'm going to show them. And some of these kids I've trained have shown the NFL. They, Dre Greenlaw was a fourth-round draft pick. He went to San Francisco. He's been a starter since day one there. And he was one of those kids who, 100 miles an hour, coach, can you come over? Let's meet again. I want to watch some more tape. And that's really what it comes down to. It's a grind. It really is. And people think, well, you're getting paid lots of money, so you, you want to do it. And that's not the case at all because it will grind you. It will get on you. And, and at some point, guys just get burnt out. So you have to have a love for the game. And, and the guys who don't make it are the guys who just – won't admit that it is a business. There it is. You hear from a Super Bowl champ, so they don't always think that, uh, you know, Scott, they don't think we know what we're talking about, man. I, pre <laughs> I appreciate it, dude. We'll be in touch, man. Yeah. I think Thanks a lot for taking some time out of your day, man. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Take care, guys. No doubt. Like, that's, that, that's the, the point. right? Right. Simple to the point. We keep saying it, and it doesn't matter if you're going <clears> – <throat> if you're in the league or if you're trying to go from high school to college – 
it's either you love it or you don't. Either you do it or you won't. Uh, you can or you, or you can't. And um, look, he said he talked about the grind, man. Look, I, I talked about the space that you have to get into just to get prepared to go into training camp. It takes a while. And guys can handle it. Some guys can't. Some guys can't handle competition, you know, bringing guys in at your position, you know, on Tuesdays or seeing guys come in because a lot of times if you're doing extra work on Tuesday – you know, you see Rico and DP coming in, you know, they're linebackers and stuff. Oh, well, then you go, you know, but at the end of the day, you don't ever take, if you don't take it personal, it's all business. Then you handle it accordingly and understand as long as you handle your business, you'll be fine. And, and that's no different in college. You show up and do more than what's asked of you <clears throat> and then be a good teammate, be coachable, be accountable. It, it generally will work out for you because everybody that comes here is a good athlete or good enough to be here. So what separates guys from reaching their potential is being coachable, um, being a good teammate, you know, loving it, and, uh, you know, and that's how you get better. That's how you develop. I mean, development only can go so far as a player wants it, wants to take it. You know what I'm saying? So we talked about all the things that Nebraska has for these players and athletes to come here. Then it's up to them to take advantage of it because I, 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 there's not a coach on that coaching staff – uh, that if they if a player needs more coaching is going to be like nah is, nah I don't want to help you is there a a known collective place and space where let's say Jay Foreman Scott and like uh, this crew of people get together and just hammer home this information for Huskers uh. Like just because we did we did we did those symposiums right we we I was a part of those rookie symposiums yeah they should where you're Um, brought in to tell people what's required but my thing is if you could have that to the program while everybody's here yeah yeah it should would remove some of the the nonsense that happens out of chaos because there's nobody there with a wide casting net boundering these 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 young people yeah it's something that's uh. So they definitely should uh yeah they definitely should uh, <laughs> uh approach because uh Jay Foreman <laughs> because yeah because I think that uh there's there's accessible assets I'll say this there are accessible assets within reach that will pay dividends on the field tenfold for the sense of one maybe you know guys have been there done it um can connect with players uh but then also can give a read on guys that maybe if you don't have enough time to read them, that can help you lessen any type of pro guys. You know, know the know the journey, know the requirements, they right. know the job description. That Nebraska could literally put together in a matter of days a symposium of former Huskers at each position and each level yeah. of position. To just oversee, oversight, and guide Huskers through this process, because there's too many there's too many posse members uh, out 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 on the outskirts. Yeah. But position for position, right. you literally could do that and make yourselves available to these young people to answer this, and it would be a great asset, conduit yeah. and asset yeah. in recruiting. Sure. And, and, and Nebraska like if you want to change recruiting, here's another way to do yeah. it. Nebraska needs it because uh, I guess the example that will come to mind just just pops in my mind is that uh, 
I know they're not winning at the at the at the uh, rate that they normally have, but like the Miami Hurricanes, I know that for a fact because my dad's a Miami alum. Florida State, Miami, Florida State, Miami, and USC, Florida, USC. They all do that um, quite quite often or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it's neat, especially here in Nebraska, because you know the Nebraska way is a different way, and um, I know it's a hard transition for for guys coming from all different parts of the country. The first, I would say, the first two years can make or break you and it has you know little little bit to do with football a lot to do with adjusting time management scott talks about that right time management knowing it's a job it's a job now man it's it, now that doesn't mean you can't have fun but but the, your job is to play good football the the big fail is never talent it's time management time management like, <laughs> understanding what it takes it understanding it is a job now i mean yeah. your job is to come man. to nebraska play good football and your job should be to yourself is maximize your potential. Yeah. I tell you what, let's let's go to break. We'll come back. Uh, we've got two more seconds we got to get in. This symposium should be a thing. We'll talk about it more when we come back. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 